Hello, everybody, and welcome to Toronto Rock Total Access. I am Mike Hancock, and I am more than happy to, and backed by popular demand, is uh, co-host to my right in the building here, Colin Doyle. Doyle, how are you doing? I'm good, and you cannot play to my ego enough, so (laughs) thank you. And when I say by demand, uh, I mean it. I was met, met, met by a gentleman in the stands last night that asked where you've been here at practice last night yeah well i'm back and uh hutchy here i am (laughs) hope you're ready for me right off the hop you can't miss this if you downloaded and press play you got this right off the hop you didn't have to listen long for the shout out so um i'm happy to be back tough loss for the rock uh you know this time last week um but you know we'll discuss that uh you know, a lot of good stories, a lot of interesting things happening in the league. So we should have lots to chat about. So I'm looking forward to you you driving this thing. <laughs> well, we are at the midway point of the season. The Rockers seven and two, and uh, sitting, you know, maybe comfortably but uncomfortably in second place in the East Division with uh, the fact Georgia has uh, won as many games as they have, despite the fact the Rocker ahead of them in the loss column. Um, <sighs> Let's start with the New England game. That was a game that The Rock, as we talked about, uh, had Matty Sawyer as guest last week, as we talked about on the program here, just that it was a game that seemed to be following a very similar rhythm and a, a similar script to a lot of The Rock wins this year in the fact that, you know, maybe they started a little bit slow, but game momentum, took over momentum, held New England scoreless for... Um, About 17 minutes, I think it was, from the end of the second quarter to the start of the fourth quarter. And it was just, it it was wild, though, to think that, to me anyways, the way the game unfolded, that, you know, the Rock weren't able to hang on to things. Given what we had seen, their body of work here earlier in the season. But, you know, I think you maybe set this up even. The last time you were on the pod was you said, you know, there's going to be some speed bumps. This isn't just going to be smooth sailing or whatever. And we definitely saw that in the fourth quarter of that game that, I thought, anyways, a game that looked like the Rock had total control over it, 10-7, and was maybe one goal away from officially putting New England to sleep. They end up giving up five in a row, and suddenly the wheels were off the tractor here. Yeah, they were going to run into some speed bumps, uh, you know, as much as you may not have wanted to believe that. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I mean, the speed bump here was was Jamison and Nett, you know, and then you and I were kind of – we carried on about it on our last podcast about them not having a firm number one, and that would be indicative of where they finish in the standings. And uh, I guess if the last three weeks have shown us anything about this team, if they can continue to get goaltending like this, they may be a force to be reckoned with in the East. So we'll give them their due. I thought um, – they were they were a good team, good cohesive group. I thought defensively they they still had some weaknesses, and I think if I'm if I'm breaking this game down, if I'm Coach Sawyer, um, you know, all I would have done is gone into the dressing room on Tuesday night and showed everybody a clip of the last four minutes of the third quarter, up 10-7, and literally I counted six scoring chances, point blank scoring chances, uh, to to like you said, blow the doors off that game and yeah. get on with it, and I think. They ran into a hot goaltender, and that was the speed bump for this one. So, uh, you know, like I said, a lot of other teams haven't been getting goaltending like they have, and they, you know, they finally faced somebody uh, who who got goaltending like they like they did, and it cost them the game because uh, Jameson kept them kept them in it. And the Rock really, really played well. Great road game up to that point, and like I said, they should have, could have, every other day of the week would have 
finish them off with that barrage late in the third. And, you know, you go up 12-7, that game's probably out of reach. And you move on, and great road win for the Rock, and they're just sitting pretty. But I don't think there's much point going any further than that. I think when the wheels did come off, I couldn't point to one thing directly that that they did poorly. It's just, you know, some things caught up with them. Uh, You know, New England got a bounce or two. They scored on some power plays. The Rock did not. And, like I said, the goaltending on the other end was fantastic. So they didn't play poorly. Um, They had a tough fourth quarter, no doubt about it. But, like I said, that game was lost the last few minutes of the third quarter. And, ultimately, 9 out of 10 times, the Rock will come out with a 12-13-7 lead, and the game's over. So I'm not feeling too uncomfortable. Now it does set some things up. You know, like we said, week to week, things change so quickly here. The Rock go from sitting pretty to still sitting pretty, but maybe – Coming off a loss, things could change. So, so close to not feeling comfortable. That's why, you know, and if we look not too far ahead on the schedule here, March 22nd, March 23rd weekend at Georgia Friday, at Buffalo Saturday. We don't even have to look ahead. Like I said, their tougher days are coming. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they've I'm got. I'm just talking about a pivotal point on the schedule here that could determine, again, the breathing room, the, like, maybe as far to say as home floor in the first round. All that could be semi-sorted out, or at least a clear path could be paved. The that, only clear path that could be paved here is if they keep running the table, which yep. you know likely will not happen. This thing's going to be bunched up at the top uh, of the East come two months from now. I guarantee you that. It always is. It always will be. Buffalo's going to hit their hiccups. Toronto will be faced with some tough tasks. Georgia will probably put their game back together, get on a run, maybe have some soft games coming up. And uh, it looks like New England now anyway is a player in that. So, yeah, there's so much. And and we talk about this all the time. This is all about the Rock discovering who they are. And this is the reason that this year exists. This is uh, they've gone in a new direction. They love what they've got. You know, quote, unquote, will have hit some adversity here. They lost the game maybe they should have had. And now they've got to go to Calgary against a desperate team, uh, a decent team that's desperate. And they've got to get a road win. So, you know, if the Rock go back there and answer the bell, I think we sit here next week and we're saying, well, you know, these guys are for real. Uh, one got away from them that shouldn't have, but they answered the bell. They got two points in Calgary, and they're right back where they're supposed to be. But that conversation can look a lot different as well. They gave one away to a desperate Calgary team that played pretty well. They ran into a hot goalie. Dixon goes off for seven, etc., etc., etc. You just never know in this league. Um, but – we'll be able to tell something from what happens out there. So I look forward to next week already. It should be a great game. I really do. I, Calgary In Calgary is always a good game. Before we leave the New England situation, I uh, just wanted to get your thoughts on the Callum Crawford hit on Brad Cree. It ended up being a repeat offender situation where Crawford ends up uh, appealing his suspension, was able to play last week, but could still be facing – Six games for the five-game repeat offender and the one game for his uh, five-minute major for an illegal body check and a game misconduct being escalated to a match penalty. Um, not so much the maybe the referee's call on it. Want to stay away from that, but to focus on maybe what you think of maybe a repeat offender rule being two match penalties within 730 days makes you a repeat offender and subjects you to automatic additional discipline which is where those five extra games come in is that too much is it about right is it where know? where did the 730 days come from two years okay yeah um 
Look, let's talk about the the what happened itself. First of all, it was a it was extremely dirty, dirty play. No questions asked. And again, this really shouldn't shock anybody. It, this is what happened, and he's done it before. And uh, you know, he caught Brad when you're you know you can expect a pick is one thing. You can expect a dirty pick, which is another. When somebody leaves their feet to clean you out, kind of, uh, and you can't protect yourself, I think it goes without saying. Any player in the league will say that it was. It was a poor choice. So he's being the one game suspension for that, I think, is warranted 100%. As far as this other rule with the 730 days, this is the first I'd heard of it when I was kind of reading about the suspension that came with it. Six games, or I guess we'll call it five on that back end, you know, which is, you know, just under a third of the season. So that's when the conversation, like the five games looks good. If you're trying to protect people's heads in any other league, you give somebody five games. I think it holds up well. I think it's yep. this, the size of our schedule that makes things difficult. And the, New England will have the hardest time swallowing this because this this will drastically change their outlook. Um, but, you know, well, what's fair? I don't know. I, you have to punish hits to the head. That goes without question. So if you want to deter people, well, this, this is clear. This sends a very clear message that this league won't tolerate it. Um, it's new for me because when I played, you know, this stuff was unpunished all the time so you know you just became accustomed to it so I don't know what's fair I think it's a good idea for them to give a stiff punishment to somebody who's gone after somebody's head clearly twice in a year or in two years what that number is I don't know I can't speak to that um you know New England will argue one way Toronto should be arguing another that the rule is in place and it should stand yeah and New England will probably argue it's too much so you know, it depends what side of the fence you're on, but ultimately, with with a hit to the head like that, where it's there, there is really, it's clear that what the intent was. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, you give them twenty games; it doesn't matter. I mean, if you want to remove from the game, you stiffen up the penalty, and you have to hold your ground on that. So we'll see what comes of this. I don't think there's any appeal in the world if the rule is written the way it is. Then that's the way it is. One game suspension for the hit to the head, I'm fine with. And, uh, you know, what's coming on the back end, the five games, is due to something he had done in the past. So, uh, per the rule, that's what it's going to be. So, we'll see if everybody holds back. It's hard to say. That's a long way. It's a long suspension, though, in an 18-game season. Well, and that's kind of part B, I guess, or part two of what I wanted to, to ask about. And we're talking about how New England could be coming a force. They're at 11 games played right now. So, if he sits out six, that's almost the rest of the season at this point. Um, but with how Philadelphia and Rochester are playing – it may not really impact their playoff fortunes too much if they can get one or two wins here. They'd be pretty safe um, because it looks like, you know, I, I can't see Rochester or Philadelphia not getting to 10 losses at some point, probably the way things have gone anyways. And, you know, so far the season that they don't get to that mark pretty soon. And if New England can get to nine wins, like you're obviously you're feeling pretty good. But then it's like what do you think you know coming in is there any impact the fact that you know he's going to have missed a month and a half of the season there will be impact him missing six games will have impact we you and i don't know right now what that impact will be but the impact on that team is irrelevant yeah the fact of the matter is we have rules in place to protect people uh the rules are written very clearly and he's gone and done something yeah that pertains to those rules so the effect on new england is irrelevant to me you, you can't sit there and base the suspension on, you know, well, is he an MVP candidate? Possibly. Are they looking at potentially getting a top two seed in the East? Possibly. None of that is relevant. It's a complete side topic. So, yeah, again, New England will sit here and argue that it's too long. 
It will have an effect on where they finish. It will have an effect on his personal year he was having. All the things that suspensions like this are supposed to have an effect on. End of story. That is my argument. As simple as that. So my question surrounding that actually was more to do with how much of a wild card does this throw into potentially the first round of the playoffs where New England could end up a third or a fourth seed in the east whereas maybe they have potential to get up to that number two seed like just affecting uh, the matchups you know what i sure mean, well, floor, I mean all that kind of stuff and then you throw this guy into the mix where he's a difference maker for this team and could be a wild card that could just blow up the first round of the playoffs like that by inserting almost like a deadline acquisition into into the mix here well that's kind of what i was thinking i, I guess it's point. easy to look at that and say look sunday afternoons in new england have been good to this team yeah. So, yes, uh, I think it has an adverse effect on this group if they don't get first or second seed because they don't get the luxury of hosting that Sunday afternoon in New England right. game that has treated them very well. Um, you know, so that's that's the effect I see it. Uh, I don't think it affects their chances getting in. I'm with you. Believe that even without them, they'll get into the playoffs. But the, I don't – I cannot envision them finishing top two without them. But, you know uh, – it's, it's so hard to say. So that's my take. Uh, I, I think those Sunday afternoons, for whatever reason, have been very good to them. Well, there yeah. are a lot of reasons those games are good to them. But they have had a tremendous amount of success, and I, I would think in a perfect world they'd love to host that first playoff game. So yeah. this well, will it, certainly affect that. And even like you say about those Sunday afternoon games, just talking to some of the guys when they got back <clears throat> from that game in New England, it it is just such a different animal. <clears throat> I mean, you know this better than anybody, but getting ready for an afternoon game. A Sunday Versus, afternoon game. Yeah, with that, the travel that was. It just changes everything, too, right? Because Saturday afternoons are one thing. You know, well, when, that's where I go back. What's your preparation for something like that the night before? I, I, I never made any like a difference to me. I didn't really prepare properly anyway. So like, you, you go to bed, you get up, and you play. Like, <laughs> right. but I, you know, Sundays for the older guys on the team, always in the back of your mind is okay. We get home tonight. I got to be at work first thing tomorrow morning. I got yeah. the kids. I got to get so those things play into it. And, and as a younger guy in the league, you know, you enjoy having that day off after all of this. You yeah. don't want to fly home right away. You want to enjoy the night in the town. Uh, Saturday afternoon in Calgary, they were outstanding. You'd love Saturday afternoon games because yeah. you get to have some fun Saturday night after a big win, and you get all Sunday to get home and recoup and get ready for Tuesday again. Yeah. But the Sunday changes everything, and they're comfortable with it because they do it every week. Somebody else comes in. This is just a good chance of you being flat or your head being elsewhere especially that time of year in playoff time when the sun is shining and everybody's doing a million things. You've got a lot going on other than just worrying about a game in New England. So it takes a pretty disciplined team and a disciplined athlete to, to stay in that moment because generally come May, when the sun is shining outside, uh, kids are usually busy or doing a million different things. So you've got yeah. all that stuff weighing on you when you get home. And it does, it does, it does paint a little bit of a different picture. So that's just, it could just be me, but I would say 90% of the guys would agree that Sunday afternoon games are tougher than, than most. All right. Well, I've still got a, quite a few things on the topic list, but we're going to uh, take a little breather from just you and I. And uh, we'll take a short break here, and we will welcome in our guest here today on the show, Toronto Rock owner, president, and general manager Jamie Dowick will join us in just a second. Stay with us. Rosanna. All I wanna do in the middle of the evening 
Welcome back to Toronto Rock Total Access. Mike Hancock along with Colin Doyle. And we now welcome in our guest, Toronto Rock owner and president and general manager, Jamie Dowick, who is, by the looks of things, very happy to be here. Oh, yes. Real happy to be here. How are you guys doing? I'm excellent. Nice Fantastic. to have you on, boss. Yeah. We're at the uh, midway point of the season. Just enjoyed a bye week here. The team back uh, in action this weekend in Calgary. Overall, uh, how do you feel about the start of this team? 7-2 and two is, uh, I guess, maybe the cliche question is. And uh, I'm going to throw it out there. If we had told you on December, whatever, 15th, December 1st, let's say, that halfway through the season this team would be 7-2, and two, would you be pleased? And... The other side of that is asking you that question today. Are you pleased? Well, the first answer is easy, and it's okay. yes. If you told me at the start of the season we'd be 7-2 and two right now, I, w- I would have signed up for that. Yeah. Um, you know, then the second answer is no, because we should be 8 You know, as far as I'm concerned, we should be 8-1, and one, and we had that opportunity, and we, uh, you know, pissed it away, for lack of a better term, in my opinion. And so, you know, that was our last time out. But... Um, yeah, I mean seven and two at the halfway point. Um, you know, good, good, good start. Agreed. Excellent start. Um, second half of the season looks to be a bit more daunting, if you ask me. Just schedule wise, competition wise, a lot of East in there. I think, I think you'll be tested pretty well. And Mike and I have talked about this in the first segment. I think the second half will look, you know, a little bit different, and it'll test the character of this team. Um, who have you been impressed with in the first half of the year? Like somebody other than the obvious. Who's jumped off the page to you that you can really sit there and say, wow, we've got more out of this player than I anticipated, and I'm super happy, and I hope it continues to move forward? Well, if you want me to go a little off the super obvious, uh, you know, I think you got to think of guys like uh, Brandon Slade, um, who, you know, coming into the year, you know he's going to be a factor. You don't know if he's going to be on the active. You don't know if he's going to be on the practice. You know, I mean, I guess could be on the outside looking in too, but there's a guy that ha- ha- found his way into our opening day lineup and has played every game and chipped in with some big transition goals for us. And, and uh, you know, so that would be one guy I would say. Um, you know, I, I just I just like the way, uh, uh, you know, for the most part so far this year, I, I like the way that this, the group is, the way we show up, the way everyone works and, you know, Offensively, it's been different guys at different times. Um, you know, we've seen flashes of brilliance from guys like Dan Craig, Dan Littner, you know, the guys that maybe didn't get off to the quick start stats-wise early in the year that have kind of picked up their game yet. Um, you know, Kieran's had his moments. You know, I think Pup's, Pup's, Pup's ready to, uh, you know, I, I believe at some point or another here it, it's going to go for him and, you know, I just I like I like the balance of our team, and so. But if I'm gonna pull one guy out of there, I, I would say Slater's been a bit of a, a a bit of a surprise. And you know, the other guy that I've been real impressed with, if I got to give you one more, the guy who's uh, you know Brock Sorensen, I think has had a uh, a pretty good bounce back year here. You know, uh, a almost two years removed probably from his knee surgery. Um, you know, I think he's. I think he's been pretty solid for us this year. So there's a couple guys I'll throw out there. Good, both good choices. I would agree on both. Um, coming up this game in Calgary, we've had a, a few extra breathers here over the last month, and I know uh, it seemed to be, you know, maybe some thought in that game in New England that maybe the guys weren't that sharp coming off the bye week. Um, again, 
I guess I'm throwing out the cliches here, but imagine it's always that. Those, it, well, it's always one of those things where it's like it's a non it's a non story non factor if you win. If you lose, it's one of those things where it's like, well, we clearly weren't sharp coming off the bye week. After last night's practice, what's your thought and and vibe going into this weekend? Well, I, Is that, are the guys ready to go, or do you think we are going to see some of that? What ended up looking those, like some those, rust? Those are honestly, those might be factors in a little bit in this and that, but they're nothing more than excuses. Yeah, I mean, like end of story. So you know. It, it, Good little practice last night. Um, you know, I would think focus is probably a little heightened coming off a loss. You don't want that to snowball. Um, I think everyone on our team's well aware of, you know, going into Calgary, um, regardless of what their record is. We've always kind of had a little rival rivalry with Calgary, and it's it's a tough place to win. And um, you know, so we've had some success there the last couple of years. We'll look to continue. Uh, the routine with a stop at Caesars on Friday night for a nice steak dinner and, uh, you know, hopefully uh, get a big win this weekend and, and start another streak because, you know, as, as, as great as, you know, as good as the first half's been, you don't, you don't want to, you know, you don't want one loss to become two and, and you know, you want to nip that right in the bud and get heading in the right direction again. Now with the trade deadline coming up here, um, that's why I'm on the show today. Eh? I knew there was a reason. When's the trade deadline, Mike? It's Monday. Are oh. you going to ask him if there's room for a 41-year-old Well, that's not a trade. Lefty? That's just a free agent. Well, he would limit his moves, I would think, if he's planning on getting me back in the in the fold. They'd have to be well, some Well, to desperate. sign you, you've still actually got a little bit of, of wiggle room because oh, really? you are on the retired list with the oh. Bucks, so. Two and seven, this might be a conversation, eh? Not seven and two, boss? <laughs> well, I mean, vet, what's vet men these days? <laughs> I think the negotiation just ended, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if I guess I'm going starting, to San Diego. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so what I wanted to ask, really, was with the trade deadline, is it a little bit different going into something like this? Because with expansion coming, is it not almost to the point where somebody you're trading for is truly looked like looked at as a possible just rental in that it may like you're not you're probably not into a blockbuster type situation it's maybe a tweak a depth guy whatever but in the sense of things here like with two expansion teams coming in you're almost looking at you're trading a guy like you're probably going to be exposing him yeah chances are in the expansion draft because you have your core guys here already so those are the guys it's kind of an interesting thing that this is really going into maybe like a rental situation deadline because and and i'm thinking maybe there's going to be some more player movement as of this because some teams might be saying hey well i'm probably losing this guy anyways maybe i'd like to get this guy who they're probably losing anyways and there might be some marriages yeah, made there. i don't know i don't know my gut right. my gut <laughs> my gut tells me there isn't going to be a lot of action and, and that and for that reason alone like at a trade deadline you're there's look, never action you're not look, you're not looking for I'm trying to create some here well I, we, well then don't create it with a depth fringe guy that we've made gonna, a couple deals but, of, we've made a couple decent sized yeah. deals but here's the thing at the trade deadline you're looking to add to your depth you know they're kind of like middle of the roster players you're looking to improve and and, and help your depth to win um you know we're not talking about you know probably core guys and guys that are being protected for the most part but there so, are circumstances and those general managers make those blockbuster moves sitting atop their division it has worked in the past there have been those general managers that have said you know what i love where we are 
we are going to make a run at this thing, and I'm going to prove it to everybody. We're going to go go get a big dog. Yeah, and 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 you would you just have to be to me. You just have to be. You have to think of everything, and you have to be responsible. I mean, I you know yeah, I want to win. I want to win now, and that's what I'm focused on. But you know, as as the general manager of the team, I do have to look down the road and things like that. So to go out. Um, you know, and, and if you want to go get a big dog right now, um, you know, you're going to give up a big dog. I don't see, uh, you know, I don't see any players really just going, um, you know, draft pick wise and this and that. So I, I think it's tough. Any guy you're going to acquire right now, you're 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 as a GM, you're thinking that like uh, I'm going to give up a second round pick to get this guy who you know up. I feel like I'll lose in, in an expansion draft next year. So expan- that means you don't lose someone else, but you're, you're paying a second-round pick to do that. If I knew I was going to win a championship, you know, it might be something you sign up for. Um, you know, and I'm not saying that it, might not happen. But Are the have, protection lists going to look the same next year? Are they trimming them down again yet? My, my understanding is they're going to be the exact same. So, um, you know, that that's where it makes it tough, and you gotta you got to weigh the – you know, and with the East being the East, I mean, yeah, I want to. If I can improve the team, I'll look at doing that. But you know, the East is going to be is going to be a dogfight to get through, and and uh, you know, so you got to weigh all that stuff in. But I just think also just to finish thought on that a little bit was just that I think the the value of picks and players and whatnot is going to be changing here over the next year or so uh, with expansion, and it is going to be interesting to see how it all flows kind of unfolds because I think you know you're talking about a second round pick that's kind of like a third round pick two years ago and now I think to me anyways I start thinking you know a first round pick is almost the only way the only currency you can deal in because that's the only way you're really getting a a player for a player at this point right if you're drafting a second round pick that was a third round pick there aren't many guys that are third round picks that step into the league so no, if you're giving up a roster and... if you're giving up a roster player to get like for a pick i would think you're like hoping you know you're not really hitting on a lot of guys in those third round that, that third round so the old side you know what i'm trying well, to get at here is that to get I'm... a player in the first and with how much bigger the first round is even now with those extra picks and then the extra picks at the start of the second round and the landscape's changing here so i think it's going to be interesting to see who stays ahead of the curve here in terms of the value of players and accumulating depth. Where I'm confused, Mike, is okay. that I didn't know that this segment was going to be you applying for a general manager <laughs> position to Jamie. No, I'm just Did making I conversation. That? I'm just making conversation. Yeah. You said just a lot of words there about draft sting. picks. And it seems yeah. like it seems like this is a sales pitch. Am I? I missed that. Okay. I, I mean, Sorry, I know it down. Now that you say that, I'm thinking, okay, maybe that was a little. So I, I kind of tuned him out. Yeah, I, it's just stuff I was, I've thought about. I'm sorry. No, hey, oh, don't listen, apologize, I mean, Mike. We all got to take all right, our shots. Okay. So he does make a point about that. I mean, what now? Next year, we're up to 13 teams. Um, compensatory picks. The second round won't start to like pick 16, yeah. 17. Um, you know, but a first round pick, depending on where it is, doesn't guarantee you anything either. So, um, do teams in this league dump salary? Is that a thing? No, no, I don't. That that's not so. So to me, why would a team, you know, and and I, I every team quickly, you know, and I don't study the West too much because it doesn't really matter to me. But um, you know, every team in the West, I believe, is is, is still mathematically well well in the equation. Um, you know, there's a couple teams in the East that that are you know falling behind. 
that might be willing to look to. I don't. I don't think it's dump salary. I think it's, you know, thinking it's got to it's got to be thinking ahead to your protection list and who who might not be protected, um, and see if you can get some value in return. But once again, like that's great and all, but not only do you pay up, you know, does a team pay a pick to get a guy that they might not protect? You know, it also means someone else opens up. Yep. And, and that's the that's a bigger part I struggle with in, in Latin. I'm just going through it last year. Um, you know, the teams wanting to make deals for players uh, pre-expansion uh, draft, it just didn't make sense because even if you were getting something in return, you know, you were losing more than the minimum players of two players, right? So, How many days are you given to pick up a player and add them to your roster after the trade deadline? Like if somebody were to pick up a player and cut somebody that you had interest in, how many days do you have to claim them? I think we now, and and it got changed a few years ago, and we were one of the teams why, um, you can sign street free agents right up till the end of the year pretty well. Um, So the rosters don't freeze at any point? The rosters do freeze, but it's a matter of like guys who become unrestricted free agents or how the league always terms them as street free agents. I believe April 15th is the deadline this you year. You served them up a GM question guys. again. Did Sorry. you see what just happened there? Like, <laughs> Of course I saw it was happening. I was just seeing if he'd bite. Yeah, I think All you right. guys are up Good to night, something Good night, everybody. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> so, no, it's there's, there's a lot to it. Um, you know, I, I, who knows? I, I just saw a trade on Twitter, Joey Reza-Terrace to New England. I, are they – that's a lot on their right side. Oh, wait a minute. No, wait a minute. They're going to be light one. Okay, <laughs> yep, makes sense. Yeah. What did they give up for him? That I did not see. I just I just saw a tweet as I was walking in here that said, uh, Joey Rezateris acquired by New England. What? Give me one player across the league that you've been impressed with outside of the Rock organization. Somebody who maybe you knew was coming. Somebody maybe you didn't. I'm curious. Like, I've had a few that have really – kind of growing on me this year who's well in in games against uh, okay in games i mean in in games against us lyle thompson had has had a huge impact in our couple games with those guys um you know guys around the league that you know jump out you know thomas hogarth in buffalo agreed uh you know i don't think too many people probably expected that uh hats off to him he's been doing a great job um where else can I go? That one was an easy one for me, like to to, to jump out. Uh, well, no, that's a good one. That's exactly what I'm after. Somebody you might not have expected to have such a good impact on their team, and they're having, I mean, a good reason that that offense is so deadly in Buffalo's because of him. That's really their fifth option, you know. Yeah. When uh, when they're lefty, there, what's his name is healthy. Burn, like you know, they're just trying to plug in a fifth option, and they're getting tremendous production. Yeah, no, it's been great. He's been great for them, and and so yeah, that'd be a guy that I would say more than anyone jumps out to me so just looking at the trade that we were talking about that by the time this uh people are listening to this they will very much know the deal uh joe restaritz goes restaritz uh moved for a first round pick in 2022 oh wow wow and a second in 2019 so there you go first round picks are the currency so i'm a little deal in I'm Let's a little a confused here, too. So there we go. Who gets that first-round pick, then? The current Nighthawks that yes. are moving to Halifax? <laughs> yes. Or yes. The, honestly, I didn't know no. that. You knew that. I, I, 
I wasn't 100%. The Thunderbirds are going to be this year's version of the Nighthawks, correct? Yes, sir. Okay. And then what comes into Rochester is brand new. Yes, brand new. expansion team. Yeah. Okay. Now I know. Except they're still going to be called the Nighthawks. Still going to be called the Nighthawks. Yeah. And, and you don't see how this is slightly confusing to anyone. It is. The only thing – it – It'll all make sense. It will. The only thing that's different here is there's no gap, right? Like Philadelphia, they moved to New England. There's a gap, a time gap, and then the Wings get an expansion. The Wings are back. The brand is back. In this case, we just don't have that – we just don't have that time gap here. Okay. I should pay more attention. My apologies. That's what I'm just saying. Like, it's weird. But then again, you've got that whole fact that there is a legacy, there's championships, et cetera, et cetera. Do they keep along. those? I think they move with the franchise to Halifax. Ooh, mm. that sounds like a poll question. That sounds like a poll question. Yeah, this is a great one. I mean, right. Hammer thinks they move, but I, I think I don't they got to stay in that arena. Yeah, I would, I would say the opposite. I think those championships they stay in that arena. They're gonna have the Nighthawks Nighthawks championship banger, banners hanging in Halifax. I can't see it, but you when know. they come in, they'll be like, "Hey, there's our banners." Hey, but didn't case. the rush? Didn't the rush bring their banners with them from Edmonton to Saskatchewan? Well, there is no team in Edmonton anymore, so oh, right. I think they can move if there's no back end plan. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting sidetracked here, folks. We are okay. My apologies. All right. Well, uh, did you have anything else to throw? I did, but it's a. It, We're gonna... it is a long conversation. Okay, I'm going to save right. it until we'll we see him later. Oh, you're going to okay. save it. All right. It's a long conversation. We can't have anything else to talk about. Oh. Okay. All right. So it's got to be the only thing that we're going to talk about that segment. Next okay. time we got the boss on the air, that's what we'll do. Wow. Done nothing, eh? I don't give a little preview of that. I'm teasing the listeners. Oh. oh you're teasing me, he too. He's mastered this. All right. Okay, Jamie. Well, thanks a lot for joining us. Uh, good luck this weekend in Calgary. Enjoy the steak dinner on Friday night, and we'll do this again soon. Thanks, guys. With a topic yet to be determined. Oh. Yes. Thanks, Jamie. Good luck. Bring back two Check points. All right. We'll take a short break here on Toronto Rock Total Access and continue in a moment. No doubt now. Uh. Yeah. Check it out now. Uh. No doubt. Yeah. Welcome back to Toronto Rock Total Access. Mike Hancock along with Colin Doyle. We have to thank uh, Jamie Dowick for stopping by in the studio with us here. And always uh, entertaining visit with the owner president and general manager of the team and doily we're going to maybe jump into some of the stuff we were already talking about before continue on i guess is a better way to put it but you had a story you wanted to share yeah to circle back to the uh the length of the suspension and as it pertains to our 18 game season i think i i have a funny story from my first year in the league when i played it for the ontario raiders franchise we lost a game in philadelphia and after the game and the line shake, one of their players was carrying on excessively, and I didn't take to it that well. And I, I gave him a real good one, unexpectedly dropped. Like it was a bad punch, unexpectedly blindsiding him in the handshake line. And uh, how you know, old were you at this time? I think eighteen. I wasn't taking well to how he was carrying on. I figured you're supposed to deal with those kinds of things, and I did. And uh, a week later, I got a fine from the league. For thirty five hundred U.S. dollars. Holy moly! Uh, <laughs> to put things into context, uh, you know that that sounds like for, You're gonna for be an action to play it, and point. I would have been. So uh, the action in all other sports deserved a fine, thirty five hundred dollars. Yeah. I think sounded fair, but when you put it into context, that I think I was making forty one hundred U.S. dollars that year, if that. You know, when that came through, I just I basically said to uh, to Brad Waters at Bill Smith, who owned the team at the time, he said, "Well, look, I'm not paying that." 
So, you know, I can't pay it. Yeah. I don't have $3,100. I don't have it, yeah. you know. So I basically said, well, we've got two options here. Either you gotta you got to pay it for me <laughs> or, you know, you've got to convince the league that that's a bit excessive. Yeah. So I never heard from it again. So I don't know what came of it. I really don't. <laughs> but I can remember on the drive home with Whipper saying, $3,500. I said, Whip, I haven't got that kind of money. I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm done playing. I said, I'm just going to quit. I don't have a choice wow. here. I'm walking away. So Before it all began. Wow. Yeah. So that wow. was that was sometimes how things get skewed in this league. And, and when we talk about that suspension, you know, six games being excessive in an 18-game season or at least getting the message across, that woke my eyes up. $3,500 to me at that point seemed like a lot of money. And, uh, it you know, lesson learned. Maybe there's still like a, a past due invoice somewhere in one of the old league offices in New York. I would be willing to bet <laughs> that that was never paid. No. <laughs> and I don't think the tracking records were real clear back then. <laughs> so, you know, one of the it, that reminded me, because I'm going to have to ask those guys next time I see them how that ever sorted itself out, because I just said, look, I'm not paying it. Yeah. And I put my arms up and walked away. I said, well, you guys deal with it, or I'm, I guess I'm done. <laughs> so, yeah. That's good. Yeah, it was That's good. good. Um, Same game. I got a full can of Coke chucked at my head, walking out of walking off Philadelphia. Full can would have killed me. Whiz right by my head. Oh yeah, walking off after the game. Yeah, (laughs) nuts, man. Those were the good old days in Philly. I love those fans. Yeah, yeah. They love their wings. This is gonna. This is a perfect segue into my next thing I wanted to talk about. So, John Tavares goes back to Long Island as a Toronto Maple Leaf recently here. A lot of talk about this. What you watching that as and I know you you ended up you left Toronto as a trade went to San Jose, but then you came back and played back in Toronto. And I know it, it's a bit different. Obviously you left via trade, not by choice. But Okay, well those to, are, that's a that's a big it, it difference. It is a huge difference. But I guess I just wanted to even get your spin just on what you felt like when you came back to Toronto to play. And I know it's it's nothing the same and I want to talk about the JT. I want to get your spin on the JT thing anyways. But what was it like when you came back to Toronto and played for the first just what were your emotions even outside of just because lacrosse is so different, I, I'm I don't think well, maybe I'm speaking for you here right now. I am. I don't think you were probably too concerned about getting any kind of a, a bad reception, obviously. But maybe you were thinking about how how good or how positive maybe the, the reception was going to be maybe when you came back or how you would be recognized even by the team or anything like that. Like, I'm just interested to hear what you thought when you came back. Because when was the first time you actually got to play in Toronto? I came back that year, the next year. Okay. I think so. And it was late in the season. We had already clinched. And we... We're having a great year, um, and Toronto was having a poor year. So it may have been the next year. It yeah. actually may have been the following year. I don't think I came back the first year. So it was the following year or the year after, one of the two. Yeah. So I, I don't know that for sure. Uh, but we had clinched. I think we had clinched first or second in the last. We were rolling. The Rock were struggling out of the playoff picture. So I think from that standpoint, it was like for me to have something to prove, I think that lessened that blow a bit because I, I think we already knew where we were finishing yeah. and they, I already knew where they were finishing. So it would have been nice in that circumstance to have been able to, you know, to bury them and prove to them a little bit how big of a mistake they had made. But I feel like some of that had already been watered under the bridge because of some time elapsing and because of the, the situation in the standings. So, um, you know, it was just – it was weird. It was exciting. It was emotional. I was very resentful of the organization, and I still was resentful at that point. 
Um, but I didn't expect, I did not expect a bad, uh, you know, a bad homecoming at all. Um, I didn't expect the rock to do anything for me. I didn't expect anything. I just thought the fans would be appreciative of my time there and hopefully appreciative of maybe missing me a little bit. Uh, and that's kind of what it was. The rock had done a little video, which was nice. Um, and I got a good ovation from the fans and that was kind of it. Um, it was kind of a weird, a weird thing. It would have been better. I think if I had to come back the year after, but with that time passing, I think things just changed. I'm looking at the schedule here now. You were in San Jose 07 to 09, right? You didn't actually come back to 09, Toronto right? until 09, the very last game of, of the, the season, regular yeah. season. Yeah. And I and I, I think I was having a massive season. Uh, you if, must have been, right? I think I was. <laughs> and so I feel like, you know, like. You were 111 points. There, there you go. And I feel like, you know, I had proved my point because, I you know, when I got traded, I did have a chip on my shoulder, no doubt about it. But at that point... Tied for your career high, yeah, actually. Late in 2009 felt like the chip had diminished to the point where all I was focused on is the stealth and trying to win a championship. And I was a lot less concerned with what The Rock were doing. The first year, it would have looked a lot different. So, um, yeah, it was a it was weird feeling for sure. I was happy to come back. It was neat to see fans and go to the postgame party and... It was neat to play in the ACC. It was just neat all around. Um, but a lot of the animosity on my end had passed because of time. And now thinking about that even more, now my memory is actually jogging. Mine too. At, at a good pace here. I was actually doing play-by-play on that game really? with Jim Veltman on the old NLL TV network or NLL network, whatever we used to call it back then. No kidding. Yeah. Were you working for The Rock at that point? No, that was uh, that was the two years, I guess, before I started working it's 2010 you came back. I yep. wasn't here your first year back. And then 2011 when we when we won, that was when I uh, entered the fold. But, um, yeah, now I can remember that game. And I can just remember a lot of things are flooding back. Some okay. of the stuff we'll, I'll talk to you about uh, off the air. But, um, yeah, that's uh, that's crazy now that I think about it, that you didn't get to come back until the end of tw- 2009. And then literally the last game I played, re- regular season game I played for the Stealth then would have been in Toronto. And yeah. then, you know, after the – you know, a playoff, small playoff run. I'm back in Toronto, 2010. So yeah, it, it was good. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, it was weird though. But like I said, I felt like a lot of the, a lot of what I had to prove had been proved already, and I was ready to move on and continue with that organization. And you know, but you know, obviously coming back, I had great memories. And you never played another game in San Jose after that game. Both your playoff think- games were on the road. Yeah, so there you, you never, go. You never really went back. You just kind of nobody ever in played in San Jose yeah. again. Uh, yes, I guess that's also true. It was impossible anyway. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you would have been in Washington. You no, know, I think if I remember correctly, we went on the road and beat Portland, and then went on the road and got pounded by Calgary or something along. Beat those Portland lines. twenty to sixteen, and then lost seventeen to five in Calgary. Yeah, I, I'll never forget that Calgary game. My last game with the Stealth. I'll never forget that one. I was sick as a dog, and uh, we just got pounded. Their goalie scored, I think, at the end of the first quarter, if that gives you any indication of how bad that was. Matt King, empty there net, unassisted, 14-59. Yeah. It, it was a tough way to go out with what I thought was a great stealth team, and obviously, you know, uh, it, was, it was good for them to go on and win it. Too bad to beat us the following year, but, yeah, we, we were, we were build something great, building something great there. Interesting. And as far as the, some interesting names even on that. You had uh, – Paul Rabel, Tyler Richards, and Matt Roik were the goalies. Those guys kind of went on to the Washington days a little bit there. Kyle Sorensen, Reese Dutch, Jeff Zawicki. We had a good team. Frank Resseteritz. 
Yeah, some would argue the better of the rest of Terrace. Hey, Frankie, shout out. Brett Manny. Yeah. Curtis, Kyle, Kyle Hartzell. No? Curtis Hodgson. Uh, Hartzell didn't play in that game. Yeah, we had a we had a pretty decent roster. Steve Holmes, Mike Grimes, Andrew Beers, Cam Sedgwick, Mike Kirk, Tom Johnson. Tommy Boy. Interesting roster there. Yeah, and I think and then, of course that Calgary team went, went on, on to win it. Yeah, they beat uh, New York in the final, or was it Orlando at that point? They beat the Titans, I believe, yeah. in the final. Yeah, they, we huh. yeah they were a good team. They were better than us, no doubt. But I thought you know we had, we did have a shot. So yeah. So our non, our, I guess our non lacrosse related spin on that again, segue into it. What did you think of the whole uh, the reception in New York? And I think perfect. Yeah. Why not? Like, who are we to dictate what fans do? Yeah, I mean the facts are the the facts are the facts. He left to go somewhere else. I mean, as a fan, you have two choices: you can rejoice the years you had with him, or you can begrudge the fact that he left. <laughs> and again, I don't understand why. And I know that it's just making content, but I don't know why anybody really cares one way or the other. I think what they did was was great. They're showing their displeasure with it, and then that's it. I, and I could tell from John Tavares's point of view. He could care less. Like I don't. I'm pretty sure his expectation wasn't that they were going to float him in on a on a cloud that game. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of pissed off fans. Fans pay money to watch games and have a viewpoint, and I have no problem with it. I do not come from the from the world that says they should have done that differently. I think they were just, you know, they're voicing their displeasure, and whether it was at him or whether whether it was at management. None of that was going to change. He was going to Toronto one way or the other. And I do not begrudge him for doing that either. I don't. No, so, and, but, okay, so did you watch the game itself I, or just catch up? Third period, okay. I think. It was awesome. The first period and warm-up, like, it was fascinating television to watch because TSM basically, they had the panel going, but the, the video that was accompanying the panel was just the warm-up in New York so you could hear everything right. and see everything. And it was it was awesome. And I think that goes back to when we talk about, I think a lot of times probably off the air, but how there isn't that competitive nature between teams and like sometimes the fans, like sometimes the fans I think create that obviously from the of outside with this do. rivalry. But like that was awesome. That felt like to me I started thinking about old rivalries in lacrosse and stuff like that when guys hated each other and the fans were like they were there because they hated the other team and it was like to see some of that and to see that the dislike of somebody else or something else about what it creates and right just that atmosphere it was awesome to watch and I, such a breath of fresh air i agree in some respects is that you could see there's like there was something on the line in a regular season game, and maybe the next night, sure, there's not as many people in New in uh, Long Island or whatever it was a day later, two days later when they played at home again. But still, for that moment, like those are the games you got to live for as a player too, right? When you know the fans are just going to be right down the other team's throat and absolutely so fired up when you guys do anything. Like it was that you know the Leafs had the puck, it was boo. The right. Islanders did anything, like the crowd. Like it was it was awesome, awesome. And I loved I think, it. It was crappy, like the few people that decided to try and throw something at, at JT that was over the line. and But even you saying, you know, a Coke cam flying by, you loved it. Absolutely. So, like, as a player, like, do you not want more of that? Like, And, and, and then you Toronto, can't make the fans feel like that all the time. But, but it feels like man. in our world you do have to make them because, yeah. tr you know, lo and behold, Toronto yeah. rallies something together to respond to that the next night in Toronto yeah. on Saturday night and give Tavares the big warm welcome. I feel like, you know – 
shouldn't that warm welcome be there every night? You guys yeah. should be thanking your lucky stars that you have him. Yeah. And that emotion should be there every single night. And I think fans uh, are well within their right to do anything they want like that. And, and yeah. keep it like to the cheering and all that other stuff. They start throwing stuff, that's ridiculous. But the passion they brought to the arena and the hatred for that decision he made, none of those fans hate him. No. They hated the decision he made because it crushed their franchise. Yeah. And that's it. And what's wrong with that? You know, so that I was I was really displeased with how how people were trying to dictate what they should think. I said, let them do whatever they want. Yeah, let them have their night. Yeah, and I think it even goes further to something we may have been talking about off the air a little bit about the fact that now it's like anybody who saw that on TV, the next time the Islanders and Leafs play in New York, how many people want to be at that game? That's right. To be a part of that, and especially the people who were feeling that same thing sitting on the couch at home maybe and said, no, next time i got to go there and yell at JT and tell him that I hate him. Right. <laughs> or next time I get a chance to see JT in Toronto, i got to go and cheer him on. Yep, Like It goes both yeah. ways. Yep. And so I, I was happy to see it. It was a great midweek rivalry game that showed well on TV and I think showed – all the parts of pro sports that I think everybody wants to wash under the rug and keep it happy-go-lucky. That's the reality. That's yeah. an upset fan base. That's a superstar who literally took his talents elsewhere for all the right reasons. Yeah. And I love the move he made. I don't, I don't begrudge him at all. Yeah. And, and I think sometimes, too, the fans from Long Island, maybe they say, you know, you turned your back on us, whatever, whatever. And, and like you say, how he left for the right reasons. I think, too, where it's like I, I don't think – some of those people from the outside and outside either the Leaf fan base or even outside of Toronto, maybe even outside of Canada, but realize what it would mean just for your legacy and everything else that goes along with it and that you could walk on water for the rest of your life around here if you ever brought a championship or even just had a good, long, successful run as a Toronto Maple Leaf. You look at the guy, like, you know, Wendell Clark never won anything. Matt Sundin never won anything, but he was those, those were the guys during their era. era Doug Gilmore. And now JT could be that as well. He already is he that. Wins, he already is that. Okay, fair. If, he, if they win, they just go to this stratosphere, I think, that we haven't even – seen the reason we haven't lived it <laughs> the reason i respect his decision way more is that everybody used to run from that yeah and he was the first one in a long time to say i'm going to turn down he's going to get paid that amount of money anywhere yep. hockey's kind of different than the other sports it's not an insane amount of money so his decision i believe was solely based on going back to toronto winning a championship for the team he grew up cheering for you just never saw that in our lifetime. You don't see superstars from the area going back on their own will because they don't want to take that risk with everything that comes with it. But I think he took it head on. And whether they win or not, who knows? But he said, I'm going to give this thing a shot, and I'll wear whatever comes with it. And he, he's a bit uh, stoic. Is that the word I'm stoic. looking for? Yep. Stoic at times. And he's he doesn't appear to have much of a personality, but it speaks volumes to me about the character he's got to be the first one to come back and say, all right, I'm going to do this. And, and I, it, it's hard in Montreal, too, because we don't see a lot of the French superstars coming back because of the same reasons, yeah. right? And to see a Toronto kid come back and just flat out say, it, this is why I'm back. Yeah. I'm back to bring this team to a championship. Now, the circumstances around him coming back were slightly better because having 34 there and a few yeah. of the other pieces. So it's a little less risk, but I, I liked it. And I want to see more of it. And yeah. I, I, I think that with pro sports, we see so much money and everything else. I never believe anybody when they say they're going anywhere other than the straight fact. I've never heard an athlete say, I'm just going there because I got paid more. Because yeah. that is the reason <laughs> in any other sport. Yeah. Uh, I, I will make more money. 
Nobody will ever tell you that, but that's why. This move, for for some reason or another, seemed to me like it was well beyond that. Yeah. Because he could have got that money in. Yeah, anywhere. anywhere. San Jose, front could, runner, like yeah, everywhere. He could have gone to Florida like yep. it's like some of the other stars and say, well, I'm going to make my money. I don't have to pay as many taxes, yeah. and I'm yep. nobody will even know I'm here. But I, I really admired that, and I, I want to see more of it because as fans, that's what you want. You yeah. want to be able to relate to it. So anyway, that's my take on that. So good all around. Okay, so let's circle back to the Toronto Rock now. We are at midseason, as we said. So here's a few things I'm going to fire at you here, and I'll give you just a moment to collect some thoughts on it. But I want you to pick a MVP, the best defender. Maybe it's the same person. Um, and then who's got more to give in the second half of the season? So not necessarily a guy who has underachieved, but even a guy who's had a good start, but something where you think there's more there still. And then – who is going to have the most impact in the second half? Maybe that again, that could be the same guy. So let's start with your mid-season MVP selection here for the Toronto Rock. For the Rock? Yeah. We're just going to stick to the Rock. Nick Rose. Rosie, okay. Yep, no question. I think him being consistent has offered them the opportunity to make a few mistakes here and there and still set it 7-2. So I think, without question, he's my MVP. Um. You know what? Let's skip over the best defender. Why? You want to go at it? All right. Well, I, I, I think the Brad Cree. Okay. I, like I think he's pick. been our best defender, and that's what he's done. I think Challen and, and Latrell and a few of the other guys, Brocky, have given us tremendous defending, but a lot of other things too, sometimes at the expense of defense. But that's their job. But Brad has been a shutdown guy. Okay. Who's the guy you think still got more to give here in the second half than what we've seen out of them in the first half? Um, Hellier. Really? Yeah, I think he's been great, but I think uh, he's got another gear. I think, uh, yeah, I do. I think he's fully healthy again, and I think his second half is going. He's going to go on a tear here. Well, I agreed with you on the first two picks. I'm not that I disagree with you on Rob Hellier, but I think the guy who's still got more to give is Latrell Harris. I would agree. I would agree totally. I think he can get some transition opportunities. He can do more on the offensive end for us. I, I think you're right. I guess mine, my mind is offensively. Well, and this is something like – so Latrell comes into the league as an 18-year-old, maybe doesn't know what he is, <laughs> right, or where he's at. What At what point do you think he realizes that he's got, you know, that much of maybe a, a physical edge on as many guys as he probably does out there, his speed, and just even an edge – in so many aspects, does he ever develop a real edge to his game? When playing time gets cut down? Yeah. Yeah, that's usually what it takes to to wake something like that up. Um, it's not that he's been bad for us. Yeah. I just think if for him to understand that, minutes go away, and those minutes get awarded to others. Mm-hmm. And you start to, you know, you kind of got to piece that together on your own here. Well, wait a minute here. I was always on man down one. I was always yeah. getting the assignment for the other team's best player. Why is that changing? I think without being too contrived or too in-depth, that is always what works with younger players is when you take something away from them. And that's the only thing that works because other than that, they just take keep some, doing what they're doing. That's right. It takes yeah. a pretty special player to want to be better all the time on their yeah. own. That is special, you know, to say not good enough yet. You know, best defender in this league, not good enough yet. You know, 100 points, not good enough yet. Yeah. So I think those players are few and far between. I think, uh, you know, for him, 
coaches are probably telling him that all the time. Let's get yeah. more. Let's get more. But until you have something pulled from you, I don't think you understand that there is more. So yeah. that could be it. Because I'm interested just to see his um, development or how he evolves here over the next few seasons because – you know, you've had – it's always been a rarity, I think, when guys come into the league at 18 or 19, right, and, and have the kind of success and play every game. And like you say, I mean, I remember in his first year, he was the guy out there, last-minute D. Latrell Harris is on the floor with three years of junior eligibility left. Right. He's one of our key defenders. You know, it was a bit of a, bit of a surprise, but you also saw the confidence that the coaching staff had in him right from day one here. And, you know, a lot of players aren't entering this league until now with – finishing NCAA probably 22 years old and you had a guy at 18 like Latrell's gonna have three years of experience in his back pocket before a lot of these guys are even drafted into the league so that's where I'm interested to see where he's at and that's also why I think he's the guy anyway yeah I think you're right some of of my worst years were like years two three and four kind of thing yeah and Great I think I hear the coaching staff talk about that a lot, where guys have had success in the NL. They go back to play junior. Some bad habits start or, yeah, because they, you think you're better than everybody. E- they think it's easier. Or, or, it's, or, or it's less important. Yeah. And, you know, you, you, you know uh, again, it can go two ways. Somebody can bring back a wealth of talent and knowledge from the NLL and make everybody on their junior team better. You've mm-hmm. probably seen a bit of both. But it can happen where, well, I'm better than this now. Like, yeah. I don't need this. And – you know, your work ethic, everything that got you to that point, you know, starts to drop in the summer. And that's where habits are created. That's where talents yeah. are started. So it, it certainly happens. I will attest it happened to me wholeheartedly. What so was la- the last lastly one? is who do you think the player is going to be? If that even makes sense. The way I said that. But who is the guy who is going to have the most impact, be the most impactful in the second half of the season for the Toronto Rock? I don't think it changes. I think it's Rosie. I I do. I think if they can get great goaltending, I really truly believe they've got a shot at winning this thing. And uh, great goaltending is just the one thing that doesn't go across the league. Everybody's got an explosive offense here and there. Everybody's got this. Everybody's got that. But the one thing that's not constant is goaltending. And I think that's an advantage that I believe we have. I want to keep believing it. And maybe I want that more because of everything we've talked about. But uh, I want him to play his best lacrosse when this team needs it the most and be the reason or be a reason why they go on to great things. My choice there is Challen Rogers. Could be. Just because I think I saw in the summer with the Oakville Rock the gear he shifted into come playoff time and how much he meant to that team and getting to the Ontario finals and whatnot. And I don't think I've seen it yet here in the winter, but I think it's coming. You can't go wrong with that bet. And what he did in the playoffs in the summer last year was just unbelievable. What he's done his whole – I mean, this is what he is, right? So, absolutely. I think uh, these are going to be interesting podcasts as we progress because now we've – you know, the schedule thickens up a bit. A lot of Eastern competition, which, you know, is probably a little tougher but also has big sways in the standings. And then you've got the back-to-backs they haven't been tested with, all the other things. So – like I said, so many great storylines coming up for you to continue to build on. And I can continue here, sit here and tear them down for you. So uh, let's just say this. The Rock have had a great first half. I think they've been an exciting team to watch. If you're a fan of the team, you got to love the direction they're going. And back to being a fan, what else more do you want? And uh, I enjoy watching them play every weekend. So hopefully they get two points here in Calgary. 
All right. Well, uh, I think we'll, we'll wrap it up there for today. Uh, of course, the Rocker on the road this Saturday in Calgary to take on the Roughnecks. The one and only meeting between the two teams this year. You can watch the game on BR Live and, uh, of course, follow the Rock on all the social media channels, website, et cetera, et cetera, and uh, keep up to date with everything leading up to it. Uh, Smile Zone charity game coming up next Saturday, March 16th. Don't forget, get your tickets now. It's St. Paddy's Day. Great St. Paddy's Day pack is on sale. Ticket, T-shirt, and a beer, $45. That's all in taxes, fees, everything included in that. Nothing extra. Go to torontorock.com slash St. Paddy's to get your hands on that. And, uh, you know, we've still got, with four games left in the regular season, you can still grab a four-game pack and uh, save. So essentially almost a half-season ticket still on sale. You can go to torontorock.com slash four-game pack to grab that, the number four in the in that URL. And uh, we're looking forward to a big finish. Like you said, the schedule, how it gets, like, I, I think the Rock played nine games here so far, and I think it's over almost 90 days. And then they're going to go through a stretch here of their next eight games are going to fall in 33 days, I think, 33 or 34. That's a big shift. It's a tall order. (laughs) That's a big shift in terms of what we've gone through. So uh, trade deadline coming up on Monday. Hopefully there'll be a little bit of action, something else to talk about next week, and and some trades to break down. Of course, history would tell us that uh, there will probably be next to nothing. There has been some trade deadlines that have come and gone with – zero trades but as we've seen here today a couple moves uh, trickling in and uh, of course we'll have lots to talk about here because we'll be breaking down the game against Calgary on Saturday night I just hope my biggest thing my biggest key to victory on Saturday night don't let Del Bianco get comfortable that's my big thing is I think got to get on him a little bit earlier because as we saw in Toronto uh, last year which was kind of his coming out party where he came in and was just lights out and uh, I think once he gets settled into a groove I think he's pretty tough to beat even though he's young and has a pretty small body of work right now at the pro level but i just think biggest thing don't don't let him get comfortable don't let him get in a groove let's get to him early and okay have another dub at west i hate keys to the game so whatever <laughs> of course you don't want the other team's goalie to get comfortable of course you well, want to get a hot okay, start of course you right. want the first goal of the game come on We've got to move past these keys to the game. And I know it's a good opportunity to slide in a sponsor or whatever else it is these people do, but no kidding. Don't let their goalie get comfortable, really. Okay. So I, key number three shouldn't be score more goals than the other well, team? That should be key. Uh, I guess that should be key one. All right. But, yeah, I hear what you're saying. They're going to be up against it. I think Calgary's going to give them a good game. I think Toronto's a better team, but, you know, Calgary at home. and But we have had some success there, so – our, our guys seem to play well, and like I said, it's just perfect test coming off that loss they got handed last week. It's just a perfect test for them to have to go on the road in a tough atmosphere and beat a, beat a good team that you know is desperate to keep a share of that first place. So, yeah, yeah it's good. Okay, that'll be wrap it up uh, for Colin Doyle and Mike Hancock saying in the meantime and in between time, that's another edition of Toronto Rock Total Access over and done with. We will chat next week. <laughs>